But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Father, thank you for my Bible tonight. Thank you for the privilege that we have to stand and preach the Word of God one more time. And I ask you, Lord, tonight for Holy Spirit unction. I ask you, God, to help us as we break the bread of life. I pray, God, that you'd give us the, the thought, you'd give us the words to say that might uh, be sufficient for this hour, that might be a blessing, that somebody may leave in a different manner, God, than what we come here. I pray, God, we could apply your word to our lives. I pray, God, you'd give us grace to apply it so that we, Lord, could be pleasing in your sight. We know, Lord, our days here are few. So help us, God, as we live these last few days upon this earth. Help us, dear God, to strive to be what you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to, to desire to walk before you pleasing. God, to be that example that you want us to be in the lost and dying world. Bless our church, O oh God, and help us. We sure do need you. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, for leadership and guidance. We ask you, God, to save those that's lost. I know it's not your will that any should perish, but I pray that you'd increase the burden of the Holy Ghost of God upon those that's lost. God, take away what needs to be taken away so they'll lose their pride and forsake their, their sins and turn to Jesus and receive Him as their Lord and as their Savior. Bless, I pray tonight. Use us one more time, O oh God, and I'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you. And you can be seated. If you read carefully verses 6 through 8, you'll, if you read it slowly, you'll, you'll find that James is describing a person. Uh, really is what you do. And I, every now and then, I'll, I'll take the Bible and I'll back through the Scripture. I don't know what you mean. What you, if you know what I'm thinking, talking about then. But, but every now and then, Brother Philip, I'll take verse 8 and, 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 let verse, and read verse 8, then I'll go to verse 7 and, and read it in verse 6. And in this particular place and time, I, I found that it, it really preaches and really teaches a lot better if I, if I, you might say, I back through the Scripture in this manner. And uh, if you'll, you'll, you'll find that, that what the Scripture, what James is doing, is he's describing someone that's leave, living in a crisis. And, uh, and there's a, a, well, the subject I want to preach tonight or talk about this evening is the crisis in Christianity. The crisis in Christianity. The word, the Webster's Dictionary describes the, the, the word crisis as a crucial situation. A crucial situation. James describes for us in this particular passage of Scripture, uh, someone struggling in the midst of their suffering. They're suffering. They're, they're going through troublesome times. They're going through hard times. Uh, but yet in, their, in their, these hard times, that they're, they're struggling to keep their faith. And they're, they're struggling to keep their eyes in the right way. And, and I don't know about you, but, uh, but there's times that, that, uh, that, that when I face uh, opposition and I face hard times that, that there's times that I want to to draw up the flag of surrender and just give in and say, Lord, it's too hard. This way's too tough and it, it's too rough. And many times 
But the reason we see so many empty pews in the, in the church anymore is because there's many that's just, they've just surrendered. They've given up and they said it's too hard. The way is too tough. And, and J- James describes uh, uh, these people to us. There is a, a little do we realize that very often that there is a readily uh, available help. Uh, uh, but the, the individual that we're reading about here has surrendered to the crisis without a fight. Uh, there's times that you and I, if we ain't careful, that we'll we'll surrender to the crisis that we're in. We'll not we'll not we'll not give it a fight. We just say it's just I'm just I'm just doomed. I'm just giving up. I'm just uh, I'm going to surrender to this thing, and that there's nothing that I uh, can do about it. You know, it's uh, this is not a, a seldom seen occurrence, but it's quite frequently seen in the modern day church anymore. People that just give up on God. People that just throw in the towel. People that, that I never would have thought would have, would, have, would have waved the white flag of surrender, have, have given up and have gone away and have just settled in and allowed the world and the devil to, t- to give or to have the victory over them. Life for them is a, is a continual crisis. You ever know anybody like that? You ever know somebody that, that just seemed like they're in a crisis all the time? I, I mean, it just... Uh, was there's seemingly no help? It don't matter what you say to them, what 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 direction that you you try to help them. It's just constantly there's a crisis at all times. And uh, you say, well, preacher, I, I don't like that your tone and saying that. Well, does this sound like your life? Uh, well, you say, well, preacher, I was, when I was studying this, I got thinking about me some, and I said, well, James, why don't you just go ahead and write my name down here? Why didn't you just go ahead and put my name in this place? It sounds a lot like me at times that I just uh, I get caught up in my crisis and, and, I, and I, I, I surrender to defeat rather than standing up and fighting. Uh, while it may be the way that most of us live, it's not how God wants us to live. It's not how God wants us to go about life. God don't want us to, to throw in the towel. God don't want us to be in a crisis at all times. In other words, uh, what God wants is... Uh, Remember last time we was in the book of James, we was talking about having wisdom, and uh, we, we've not changed the subject. We're still talking about asking God for something. Uh, and uh, But the, the Christian, uh, when we fail to honor God in things in our life, uh, uh, this is what God is, is telling us through James in this particular place, is, is there really comes a time when we, if we don't handle the situation correctly, we'll bring dishonor to God. And we'll bring shame unto God. And there's one thing I've always said, and I've said it loosely at times, but I said, Lord, I don't ever want to bring shame or reproach unto your name. But when we we surrender to the devil, we surrender to the world, or Brother Dean, when we surrender to a crisis, we can bring shame to the the Lord. We can give the devil all the glory. That's not what we ought to do. So this this Christianity uh, 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 fails to honor God. We ought to want to honor Him. The first thing I want us to look at tonight, and we're going to look in verse number 8, and we're going to look at the deplorable state. Now, you say, what are you talking about? Verse number 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A casual reader may say, that's not so bad. It ain't so bad to, 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 to be considered just a double-minded man. Uh, while this is the kind of thinking 
James was trying to destroy amongst the Christian brethren. Uh, he didn't want the Christianity to think that it's okay to be wishy-washy in your walk with God. He didn't want uh, Christianity to think that it was okay to be half-hearted in your service to the Lord. Can, 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 can you identify tonight of the individuals <coughs> and whether you be here or whether you not be here, can you identify with a multitude of, of, of individuals that seem as though that they think that, that it's okay to have a life that is unstable in their walk with God. That it's, a, it's a, an unstable life. There's no, uh, there's no settlement. There's no, uh, no certain things. There's no certainty. But yet there is a whole lot of, uh, of double-mindedness, if you will, in their walk with the Lord. Uh, this individual is, uh, is, is not in a bad state, but he's in a deplorable state. I'm talking about he's beyond bad. I mean, he's in a state that is, uh, is an awful state when we get to the place uh, where that we will find ourselves uh, uh, wondering, uh, well, is it worth the fight? Uh, being double-minded in this place. The, the word deplorable means this. It means sad. It means uh, lamentable, it means grievous, it means miserable, and it means wretched. How can I say this? Uh, I want to say this, America is in a deplorable condition. Uh, there's no way about it, or, or, in or out. there's no way to say it any other way. I know that Hillary called all Trump followers deplorable, uh, but when you read the definition, I'm, I'm going to add Hillary's followers in there with them, and I'm going to say America is in a deplorable state. Uh, it's the, in this state, we cannot honor God. In this state, we have no desire to honor God. In this state, we are only concerned about us and about ourselves and it's not the will of God. You see, God's got a divine layout of His plan and brethren, when you and I place anything before God, we have gotten things out of order in our life and we need to understand this evening that we being double-minded in our walk, double, I'm amazed today. Can I just stop here a minute and let me run a rabbit is that okay I, I get plum sickening to, uh, to my belly today to, uh, to, to see some Christians uh, uh, some saved folk that, that praise some things that, that ought not be praised when it comes to Facebook Messenger and Facebook and all of social media it, it really gets under my hide uh, that we'll, uh, we'll lift up and we'll praise the wickedness of the world and we'll talk about how it's good uh, oh boy oh God's just blessed y'all because y'all can do this or that and they're not honoring God matter the fact they, they bring dishonor to the Lord. I, I can remember several years ago uh, when, uh, when it got to be a problem in the church uh, uh, for unwed mothers, uh, for, for pregnancy uh, out of wedlock, uh, and they was honoring young ladies with, uh, with showers and stuff. Listen, I'm not trying to be ugly, uh, but I'm telling you there's got to be a stand. That's double-mindedness is what it is. You're going to stand against something, you've got to stand against it. You cannot surrender to it. And what we find today is there's a lot of you, maybe some of you right now, are you a little bit stirred up with me because of what I said and because of that. But it's okay. I don't expect the world and I don't expect some worldly Christians to understand what I'm talking about. It's not okay to be double-minded. It's not okay to be that way. You see... We as, God, as the children of God have got to learn that if we don't stand for something, 
then we're going to be victims ourselves. We're going to raise a whole house full of victims. I was, uh, I, I don't know nothing about, uh, n- nothing about the, the, the country music venue or nothing else like that. Let me just go on record to say, but there's nothing about country music that I, I, I like. There's nothing about country music that I desire. I, I, don't mean, I don't mean to be ugly to you. You say, preacher, you don't got to meddle, and I know it, and I like it when I meddle, okay? But there's nothing about it that I like, and there's nothing about it that I'm going to say is good, and I'm not going to congratulate anybody or anything that gets involved and in, in over neck deep in that stuff because I, I, I go beyond the, 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 the face value of things. When you sing about women and alcohol and ungodliness and fornication, when you sing all that, it's not for me to put a smiley face beside. And it's not for me to say I love it and like it. But it's for me to stand against. God help us. A, a double-minded man is unstable in all his way. You can call me whatever you want to. God help me. I don't want to be called a double-minded man. I don't want to be called double-minded. You may call me a legalist. And that's okay because you don't know what you're talking about there. I can tell you this, I don't want to be called double-minded. There's three areas of this individual that are deplorable. First of all, the spirit of that person is deplorable. He said he's double-minded. That word double-minded in the Greek means two-spirited. means two-spirited. The person is fluctuating in opinion or purpose. The word James used in the Greek is dipsukos, which means a man of two souls. A man of two souls. What does that mean? That man means a man of two emotions. A man with double minds. That's what it is. A raging war is taking place within him. He wants to do what's right. He wants to be right. He wants to act right. But there is the pull in this other direction, the pull of this world, this, this chaos, this, uh, this diversity, this pull of, of ungodliness is dragging him back and forth. There is a constant battle. And listen, I know that we're in a battle and there's no way we can get out of it. But the double-minded Christian displays the character of the sinner more than he does the saint. The double-minded Christian, let me say that again, displays the character of the sinner more than he does of the saint. When we lean on the arm of our flesh, we'll be soundly defeated at every turn. When we allow the flesh to dictate our steps and to take us in the way in which we're going, you can rest assured we're going to come to a place where we're going to sink deep in the mire. Remember where the Lord said He brought us from. He pulled me up out of the miry pit, out of the miry clay. He said, I was there. I was sunk and He set me on a rock. He didn't intend for me to jump back into the mire again. But a double-minded man has that problem. The double-mindedness of Christianity today holds on to the world while displaying in some way that they want the Lord, they want the world while they're wanting Jesus. You wonder why we got all these newfangled ways of religion, these newfangled churches, these new a new world religion, if you will. You, you, you wonder why we have that. It's because we can have the world in one hand and we can claim to have the Lord in the other hand. We can have both the best of both. One old boy said, you can have your cake and eat it too. 
I never understood all that means, but, but you can't. The Bible said, God said for us to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come out from among them. This person is usually unsettled in the, first of all, they usually have trouble with the security of their salvation. You know, boy, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the truth right there. A person that is double-minded usually will find themselves unsecure of their soul, of their eternity. Uh, they, they really, really don't have the, uh, the, 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 the security and the, and the sense of positiveness in their life about their eternal destination. And they're eaten up with doubt. That continues to war in their soul. They have no peace in any area of their life. Why? Because they're double-minded. Because they're double-minded. Isaiah 57 and verse number 20 said, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. <laughs> That's the, the wicked way is that way as well. That, that, that the wicked are like the troubled sea. A troubled sea is not a clear token of a clear sea of glass. It's not the emerald beaches when it's troubled. But it muddies up the waters. And the waters are troubled and you can't see nothing clearly anymore. That's what the ways of this world in a double-minded. You find yourself relating more if, if you find yourself relating more to this than, than peace that passeth all understanding. Turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4 real quickly. And uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7. Oh, surely we've got these, this verse marked in our, in our Bible. Uh, but... But look at verse number 6. I'm sorry. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, that passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. That mind is a certain... You know why... And I'm fixing to say something, Lord, they folks liable to. But can I tell you all something? There's no way that you can separate the soul and the mind. You can't do it. You can't do it. I know that they've been preaching, you're going to miss hell by 18 inches because there's 18 inches, they said, from the brain to the heart. Can I tell you, ain't never been a person believed on the Lord Jesus with this thumping muscle inside your chest? Ain't never been nobody been saved by, 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 you can't believe with this heart. This is not the heart. The heart that God speaks of is the heart of emotion, which is the middle, which exists without the mind. You have no ability to think on the words and the things of God. A person can never be saved without the mind. I know actually that's going to, Fundamental independent Baptists all over this world just wrote me off. But I don't give a rip anymore, Tater Chip. I'm telling you, uh, there's a need for truth. And the truth, 
flesh and we don't think with our big toes and we don't think with our thumping muscle inside of us and we don't trust and we don't believe with that with this thumping muscle I believe in my mind I trust it in my mind in the heart of my emotion it means more than just believing and trusting that there is a God and that but I put my trust in him deep within my soul within my mind in the eternal part of me there is that belief. Listen to me, friend. I don't mean to make you upset with me, but I want you to know that there's a lot of people that's double-minded today because they ain't never had a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They ain't never really been born again. Their life is they're double-minded because they think they've done something in order to attain salvation, in order to gain salvation, in order to to gather it. There's nothing that you and I have in our power to get God to love us any more than what He already does. All we have to do is believe the report that God has given of His Son. Hallelujah. I heard preaching all my life in a contrary manner. It's time to preach the Bible in the days that we and I are living in. It's time to stick to the truth of the Word of God. We see, first of all, that we talked about the spirit of that person. There is an individual are deplorable in their spirit. They're also deplorable in their standing of that person. Bible said a double-minded man, that's what was the, the, the spirit of that person. He also said that that standing of that person is unstable. It means inconstant. Inconstant or inconsistent. The, the un- inconsistent spirit produces an inconsistent life. Y'all okay? The inconsistent spirit produces an inconsistent life. <laughs> Why do we have so many people don't go to the house of God much anymore? And why do you have so many? But let's quit. But let's quit making excuses for one another. Let's quit making excuses for people. Let's quit. Listen. There's a, one of the big reasons that people fall away from the church is because many of them never have been truly born again. Never have been truly born again. I'm, I'm, I'm no judge. But I can tell you when I got saved, you know what, I've been, ain't nobody, I, there's nobody that can say, I don't reckon, I, nobody can say they've been hurt in church, no worse at times than what I have, and, and I've wanted to quit, but there's been something inside of me that the whole time that I wanted to quit that wouldn't allow me to quit, that I, that, that, that I may want to go and sit down and pout in the corner for a while, but there's something rose up in me, said you're supposed to be at the house of God, you need to be there at God's, hey it's where you belong, and I'm glad that that, that part lives in me and it's the Holy Spirit of God I'm not here to boast myself or boost myself up in front of you tonight but I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of people that are unstable in their life they're double minded people but they're unstable in their walk with God their their unstable spirit gives them an unstable life and listen they raise in families uh, unstable in the house of God can I tell y'all and I don't mean to be ugly and I love my mama and I love my daddy but I was raised in in spiritually considered I was raised in an unstable atmosphere as far as spiritually being concerned I wasn't brought to church regularly I wasn't brought there all the time I don't have the testimony brother Dean has I don't have the the testimony brother Dave has but I'm telling you what God did one day God visited me where I was and he gave me eternal life and he saved my soul and he took instability out of the way and he stabilized some things I don't want to be a double minded man and I don't want to be unstable I don't want to be unstable. I don't want to be. Inconsistent spirit produces an inconsistent life. 
You might sing all the right songs, but when the words originate in your head instead of your heart, you find a life of inconsistencies. <laughs> Some of you sit here and you sing these songs and you say, how come I don't shout? It's because you probably ain't thinking about what you're, what you're singing about. It's, <laughs> I like number 30. Amen. I love song number 30 and that new songs of inspiration. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Hey, listen, I can recall, I remember. That's more than just words. It brings me back in time to a day when I got gloriously saved by God's amazing grace. There's standing of the person. Bible stories and Bible studies and prayer life and church attendance. There needs to be some stability in these things. You need to study the Word of God. You need to study God's Word. And there needs to be some stability in your Bible study. There needs to be some stability in your prayer life. God help us. God help me. If there's an area I need to tighten up on, it's in my prayer life. God help me. I don't want to be half-heartedly praying. I don't want to have a half-hearted prayer life. Listen, God help us tonight that we'll see if we want our church to be anything we'll tighten up praying amen in our church attendance instead of looking for a reason not to come to church we'll look for a reason to come to church amen some of you ain't going to say nothing right there but I'm going to say it for you hallelujah well to look for a reason to be in the house of God there's going to come a day when you're going to wish to God I'm afraid in, our, in America real pretty quick you're going to wish to God that you couldn't meet like you used to meet they come in a day, friend, that you're going to wish that you could have met like you used to. And look, I'll tell you what, there's folks that are at home today that ought to be in the house of God right now tonight. Hey, some of them, listen, I'm almost ready to cut the wires to that camera up there and say if you're going to hear us preach, you're going to come here and listen because we've made it accessible to the world to stay home and say, well, I watched on the internet or I watched on the on church and I realize there's some that can't and it's good for some, but there's some that's done got unstable in their ways and they won't come to the house of God because they'd rather sit up and listen to the preaching in their pajamas than they had come to the house of God. The standing of that person was unstable. Look on not only there was there uh, the, the three ways it made them deplorable. wasn't only the spirit of the person but the standing of the person. But number three is there's the steps of that person. Mention the word ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The word ways here it means a road by implying progress being at progress. The person living in the deplorable state because uh, there is little to no progress in their life. They're living in that condition because there's no spiritual progress. There's nothing added. There's no, there's no prayer life. There's no study. I was talking to my, my aunt and I enjoyed having my aunt and my aunt Katie and my Uncle Johnny here with us this past week and and, uh, and Thursday night when they got ready to leave the house late and they left Friday morning Miss Johnny had to ask me some questions I don't really know him real well but, but one of them was he heard me preach on the security of the believer Wednesday night mentioned that and he asked me about it and I'm, I'm glad God gave me the opportunity to give scripture and, and open up the book and, and, and to, to deliver the word of God unto him and uh, 
let him know that you don't have to go through life wondering whether I'm going to make it or not. You don't have to go through life wondering whether or not it's going, I'm going to make heaven. You can know for sure that, you get, that you're going to heaven. The only way I can know that's because I, I've read the Word of God just a little bit. Hey, listen, I hadn't waited on somebody else to read it for me, and I hadn't re- waited on somebody else to read it to me, but sometimes I had to pick it up and read it for myself. And I had to read and study the Word of God and, and prepare. I needed some help from me because I'm just going to tell you, there had been times that I was full of doubt. There had been times in the past that I had, had, had full of doubt. I've stood in the pulpit before. Some of you are going to get ready to leave right now. But I've stood in the pulpit before, and the devil tell me, you ain't even saved, boy. You up there trying to tell folks how to, how to live, and you ain't even saved. I can look at him right now and say, according to the Word of God, you a liar, you old rascal. You a liar, and the truth ain't in you. You need to go and leave me alone because I'm going to hang on to the Word of God more than I am anything else. I'm going to take the Bible more than I am what you make... I'm not worried about your feelings, Satan. I'm worried about what God says. I'm going to hang on to it. I'm going to plant my feet there. The person in, the, in that, that deplorable state has no, no progress in their life because they have no dealings with the Word of God. If something does not change, they're doomed to a life of spiritual infancy. Can I tell you that most of the people in most Baptist churches today have never grown one lick because they've never opened up their Bible to read the Bible for themselves and study the Word of God and apply it. They've never had God change one thing in their life. They're they're so settled in their ways. They're so settled in what I believe. And they don't know why they believe what they believe. But they just, in my opinion, and it's my, and that's what Miss Johnny kept doing, in my opinion, and I finally told him the other night, Miss Johnny, it don't matter what your opinion is. I, I'm telling you, I'm reading to you the final authority. I'm telling you what God said. I'm talking about more than the Constitution of the United States of America. This holds more weight as I held my Bible out to him. This holds more weight than anything else in this world. It's the final authority. Listen, we can hold on to the precious Word of God tonight. We can plant our feet solid in it. We can say, God, I need you to help me in my way. I need you. I need some stability in my way. And I can take the Word of God. If there's something that doesn't change, there's going to be a multitude of us that may die in infancy. Never growing none. Because you ain't had a hunger for the Word of God. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst Oh yeah. How hungry are you for the Word of God? Hebrews 5 and 12 said from when the time you when the time you be you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle of the oracles of God, and to become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. There should be growth in the life of every child of God. One day the deplorable are handing out tracts and the next day they're telling dirty jokes. This is deplorable. (laughs) It's awful. Well, we may not like to admit it. This is the problem with a big portion of today's church. We're unstable in all our ways. We want to have friendship with the world. Say amen while trying to hang on to the hand of Jesus all at the same time. A preacher, we we got to be in the world 
don't you take that too deep. You can be in the world without being of the world. But when you like what the world likes, and you love what the world loves, you've gotten out of the place of being in it, and you've gotten to be in the being of it. That's what you have. We find, first of all, there's a deplorable state. Number two, there's a deficient supply. Look at verse number seven. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The, the cause of the deplorable state is the deficient supply. The cause, the reason of the deplorableness that you find in verse number 8 is because of what takes place in verse number 7. What is that? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Faithlessness is the deficiency. There's no faith. It seems as it's always someone else's fault as to why they're not growing in Christ. They'll say, oh, I had to leave this church. We've, we've had an exodus here lately and, 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 and I, we've been accused of being, the, I, I've been accused of, of running off real good people from the church here. Uh, that's, been, that's been spoken about me and, and uh, and, and I'm going to, I, I don't know who I've ran off or why that, I, that folks have left because they wanted to. I hadn't asked nobody to leave. Uh, and I, I've, I, I've, I've, not, I've not preached anything any different than I have over the past several years other than just to, what I've learned to be different, Brother Mike. And, and, uh, I pre and, and yet I've been accused of, of running off good, good people. I'm being very careful because I'm going to choose my words real good, okay? I just know enough about the Bible No, there ain't none of us any good. I don't know who them good people are. Somebody needs to let me know who those good people are because there's none of us good. No, not one. But the deficiency always comes because there's faithlessness in the life of a child of God. Why would a family leave and, and throw away all their morals? Throw away all the standards. I mean, you've got to go on Facebook and block them because you can't stand to see the pictures they post on there. Why can't you stand to see? It breaks my heart. It tears me up one side and down the other. There's some things I just can't hardly stand to view. Some blocked me so I didn't have to worry about blocking them. Huh. All right? There's a problem, Brother Mike. There, there's a deficiency somewhere or another. Either you had those standards or you were fake. Either you had them or you were fake and phony. It's got quiet. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be phony. You see, it seems always to be somebody else's fault as to why they're not growing in Christ. The preacher just ain't feeding me. I got a little grandson. 
he's walking pretty good now. He's Hayden. He, he, he walks on him tiptoes everywhere he goes. And he'll fall about as much as he walks. And, and he'll walk 10 or 15 steps. And he'll fall down. And he'll hit his head. He got a head like his papa, and that's the first thing to hit sometimes, okay? Uh, but, but there's one thing I noticed about him for a long time, and that is that, that if he got something to eat, we, some of us had to feed him something. But now he's gotten to get a little bit bigger, and you can hold something in your hand, and he'll reach out and take it out of your hand, and he'll feed himself. He'll put, his, put it in his mouth and he'll begin to eat it himself. And he's not worried so much as long as you got it there for him. He's not worried so much about you putting it in his mouth and squeezing that thing that's worked that stuff all in the back of his throat back there. He ain't worried so much about that anymore. They feed babies different today now than I've ever seen them fed, I'm telling you. <laughs> he's got a pack and he just stick a nozzle in their mouth and squeeze it and it's gone, son. Ain't that something? But, but, but you see, I, I see he wants, as he's growing, he's beginning to feed himself. Now, he ain't no telling what he's liable to eat. There you go. He, he's liable to pick up anything. His mama come in the house, come in the room the other day, and, and he was down in the floor, and he's, he's grinding his teeth. He'd been over the all trying to make, make the skin crawl on you. He's grinding them teeth, and she saw him doing it. What's he got in your mouth? What she, she done thought he'd pick up something off the floor. I said, he ain't got nothing. Settle down. He's grinding them teeth. She done thought he had something to eat he wasn't supposed to have. you got to watch them. Because sometimes they'll get something to eat they don't need to have. That's what you got to do to a young babe in Christ. you got to watch what they eat, because sometimes they'll get something they ain't supposed to have, and, and little instruction will help them to keep that, that away, and finally they're going to learn what's good to eat. They're going to want to eat what's good. They're going to like what's good for them and they'll eat it and they'll grow. And they'll grow and they'll finally reach adulthood because they've learned to feed themselves. The reason that so many people are still out in, in, in or wander out in sin and get away from the house of God is because they never learn how to feed themselves. Amen. Bible's not just a storybook, y'all. Brother, there's a menu there. You pick out what you want to eat and you just indulge in it. There's a menu. You can have what it's a smorgasbord of what you want to eat. It's the Word of God. It's alive. The Bible describes it, the bread of life, and hallelujah. You and I can have it. There's a deficient supply of people receiving it. Absolutely nothing will change until we receive what the Lord wants us to receive. He said this, in verse number 7, For let not that man, look at that next word, think. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That mean, that word think means to make like, to imagine, or be of the opinion of, or to suppose. Don't let that man think, he, don't let him suppose that he's going to get anything when he don't have the faith that he needs to have. James is telling them, don't imagine or, or make the assumption that you're going to get these things. You're not going to get this wisdom. You're not going to get it without the faith, without asking him faith. You're, it's not going to happen. Don't assume that it's going to happen. 
And he makes another, there's another word, let not that man think that he shall, look at this next word, receive. The word receive means to take or to get hold of or to have offered. You can't take what you need from God. You don't take it. Sometimes our spiritual state limits our access to the things of God. We don't get what we need because we're not spiritually in the condition to receive it. Amen. Come to church half-hearted, half-witted, half-cocked, halfway, double-minded. Don't think that you're going to come and get anything from God. Get away from that Santa Claus mentality of God. He ain't Santa Claus. That's not what He is. We don't snap our finger and God jumps. If we're to get anything from God, we must get it God's way and not ours. Also, there we see the relationship. He said, that man, for let not that man. I, I got to thinking about that. You say, preacher, what in the world are you getting out of that? I got to th- Paul James is describing somebody right there. He said, let not that man. In other words, what I'm getting is James is disassociating himself with that fellow. That man. Let not that man think. James said, I ain't, I, I ain't liking the way that his life is going. I ain't liking the way he's trying to live. Let not that man think that he's going to receive anything. He said, that man. I think we can see that James didn't agree with this type of Christian life. He was not critical in spirit, but he was a concerned brother. We see, number one, the deplorable state. Number two, the deficient supply. Number three, let's look at the defective situation. Verse number six. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. The situation has crippled many of their their faith in their walk with God. They're, They're in desperate need of wisdom. They're in desperate need of it. What in the world are we going to do? We better ask in faith. Better ask in faith. In verse 6, James turns the attention from the willing father to the waiting child. Better ask in faith. The father's willing to give us. We we find that in verse number 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. There's God. There's the the willing father. Now we're turning it from from him to the child that's waiting. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. God's willing to supply, but the wagons of supply must be carried on wheels of faith. There's plenty, but you've got to have faith to receive it. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Paul said, for we walk by faith, but not by sight. We walk by faith. A prayer without faith is like a gas tank full of fumes. <laughs> How far is it going to get you? Ain't going to get you nowhere. Notice what he said here also. But let him ask in faith. Not ask with faith. But ask in faith. Faith is not an additive. But it's an attitude. That's, that blows my mind sometimes. Faith is not an additive. 
It's not something that you can add to your tank to get a little further. But it's an attitude in which we approach God in. Ask in faith. That's uh, what Brother John Blanchard said. I won't take credit for that statement myself. John Blanchard wrote that. It is not the prayer that the, that the faithless that God hears, but it is the person who is faithless in the prayer. The prayer is not faithless. The prayer don't have the ability to have faith. But it's the person doing the prayer that is faithless. If prayer is to be a prayer of faith, then the, then the believer must improve a couple of things. First of all, he must, must improve his relationship to God. This person does not distrust prayer, but the God that the prayer is offered to. I know most of us won't like that statement. But if it was the prayer he distrusted, he would not have prayed. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If it was the prayer that he distrusted, he wouldn't have prayed. But he prayed. But he didn't pray in faith. We don't approach God in our ability or our knowledge and wisdom and understanding. But we do approach God in mercies of His love. That's how we come to Him. God, I'm coming to you and in, in because you love me. The prayer of faith has no thought that God may not answer His request. We have a, we get to James chapter 5, we get to the anointing service over there. The prayer of faith. That's why we say when we do that anointing service, if you have any doubts that God is going to help this person, then please don't participate in it. Please don't. Please be yeah, dismiss yourself if you will. Because we don't need you. There's enough doubt and trouble anyhow. We don't need you to, infil, your, to influence your doubt. In your trouble. So, so you see, well, preacher, what are you getting at? The, the prayer of faith, uh, well, it just, uh, it, it has no thought that God may not answer it. A, thought of, a prayer of faith knows that, that God's hearing me and that God's going to answer according to His will. Our relationship with God will tell a lot about us and our prayer life tells a lot about our relationship with God. We see a relationship with God. Then B, the revelation of God. Faith is not a shot in the dark. The greater our knowledge of God, the more sure and certain our faith will be. The more we know about Him, the more we've experienced Him, the more we'll say, He'll do this. He'll do this. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. And he'll do it again. How do you know? Because he's done it before. Because he's done it before. My faith is increased. Why? Because he's done proven to me before that he'll do it. 
my re- the revelation of God. I realized that God's there when I didn't used to know that He was there. That His presence is there when I didn't really used to know that He was there. A weak faith is synonymous. Listen to me. A weak faith is synonymous to a weak Christian. A faithless Christian, or the faithless Christian we find in verse number 6. The faithless Christian and the faulty Christian in verse 8 are the same individual. You hear me? The faithless Christian in verse 6 and the faulty Christian in verse 8 are the same person. The faultiness comes about because of faithlessness. We find ourselves in trouble more often because we lose faith in our God. We find ourselves double-minded and unstable in all of our ways because we have no faith in Him to begin with. We should not operate on uncertainty and fear, but consistency is needed in our lives. We shouldn't fluctuate back and forth between fear and and depression. Preacher, I can't change things. Yes, you can. But you have to want to. Now, I'm not talking about a clinical problem. I'm not talking about a clinical, mental problem. I'm talking about desperation and, 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 and depression in the faith. A lot of it comes about because we lack faith. And I say, oh man, all we can do tonight is, is change what needs to be changed. If we have any intentions to change the crisis that's in the Christianity today, it's got to start with each one of us. It's got to start with our attention to ourselves. Rather than looking at others around us, rather than looking at but, but beginning to, to, to change our life by taking heed. How can a young man cleanse his ways? How? According to the Scripture, Psalm 119. How? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How can a young man change his ways? A young woman. I'll say that, and I'm not changing the Scripture, but I'm, uh, how can a young lady change her ways? By taking heed. That means not just hearing it, Brother Mike, but applying the Word of God. To, uh, to, to, uh, to put the application. Oh, but I love this world. You're going to have to make a choice. You see, you're unstable. You're double-minded right now. You've got to make a choice. Joshua told the people of Israel in the 24th chapter of Joshua, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Whether it be the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But he said, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But before he could say we'll serve the Lord, he said, there's a choice. There's a choice that's got to be made. Before he could say as for me and my house, there had to be a choice that needed to be made. They didn't have a family meeting, I don't believe. They didn't have a family conference to decide whether or not they're going to serve the Lord or not. Joshua, the head of the house, decided we're going to serve the Lord. 
My family is going to serve God. We're going to be faithful to the cause of Christ. We're going to walk in the ways of God. We're going to go to church when the doors are open. We're going to pray when it's time to pray. We're going to study the Word of God. We're going to take heed, therefore, according to thy word. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What's the rest of you going to do? Joshua was saying, well, basically, Brother Philip, what he's saying? He said, I ain't going to be double-minded. I ain't going to be unstable in all my ways. I'm going to be sound. You're going to see where I'm standing. When everybody else is bowed, you're going to see old Joshua standing. When everybody else is falling down and worship the world. Me and my house are going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. They might be those that's taken to the high, high, high the, the, the low country. Let me put it like that. The far country. And there's those that's left us and it broke, breaks our heart when they go. And I didn't want them to go and I don't want them to go. But I can tell you this. As for me and my house. My intentions, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to serve the Lord. It may come down to they ain't but nobody but me and her and whoever the rest of you are that decides you're going to stay. We ain't going to be double-minded. We're going to increase our faith. We're going to be fed the Word of God. We're going to take God's Word and learn to eat it ourselves. We're going to serve the Lord. I wonder if you made that decision. Maybe come to you in the place. I don't know your heart tonight. This may not have been nothing. I know it's kind of scattered. The book of James is a great book. You ought to get in the Bible. You ought to get in James and just read. Study and break the Word of God down. Who's going to say tonight, but ask for me and my house? We're not going to be unstable.